episode of the quarantine edition of the Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is John, Glenn, and Ryan. So, uh, guys, how's uh, things going for you guys in your homes? Bored. Gonna kill my children. Yeah. We like, we had a um <laughs> we had Felicity's birthday yesterday. Yeah. I, 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 it was exhausting because it was like instead of having, you know, like a two or three hour birthday party, it was like we probably had seven or eight small birthday parties with people driving by and, mm-hmm. you know, sending well wishes and all. So by the time the night was over, we were just all completely exhausted. But um, well, she had a great day. So she, she looked like she did. Those pictures were adorable. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of afraid of that happening to you. That's why I just drove by and dropped off my stuff and left because I didn't want to add like, like more time onto you guys day i'm sure y'all had a lot going on yeah but yeah it was it was, it was a fun day though cool and then yeah and yesterday was was easter so barbecued yeah, it was my nephew's birthday he turned 15 uh which was interesting because he, he again couldn't have anyone over too and it kind of so we, we kind of went over there and cut the cake and had some food with him yeah yeah had a good time but yeah was that pictures. He's looking. He's looking jacked these days. Oh, he yeah. He does like a crazy amount of, of exercises. Uh, and he yeah. He he came over. My nephew's funny because like if he's not immediately good at something, he he stops it. So Heather and I were shooting the the bow, and he's like, oh, can I try? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I let him try, and he shot like three arrows, and he wasn't immediately great at it. So he was like, oh. Then later on, when everybody wasn't looking, he picked it up again and kind of got the hang of it. So he was he was enjoying it. Uh, I got a question for you about this bow firing shit that you're doing both firing shit fire away <laughs> so you've been posting like uh like these workout things uh-huh. with the calories that you burn yeah how the fuck do you burn calories firing a bow first of uh, all you don't fire a bow <laughs> you shoot whatever so, that's <laughs> true. let me explain to you how biology works ryan you burn <laughs> calories when you smile when you laugh when you do anything um, I know, but what you're saying is like, I mean, I know you're gonna, you're working out, you're like your your shoulder and your arms and your back, but how do you act? Like, I don't understand how you burn that many calories. You have to go retrieve the arrows. Well, no, you do have to retrieve the arrows, but it's also your, your phone says three. So how does it like? What I'm saying is like, yeah, I, I'm I'm having a hard time understanding how it calculates the calories that you're burning by firing that thing. Well, shut your fucking mouth, and I'll explain. So there we go. How <laughs> there we go. This? My watch uh, is whenever I in- initiate a, uh, an activity, it, it is always measuring my heart rate. So it's judged by my heart rate versus like what a brisk walk would be and whatnot. The thing with archery, though, is you're actually working the muscles. Like the, the bow that we were using at first is a 25-pound draw weight, um, and then we just got another one in that's going to be a 30-pound draw weight. So it's going to be a little bit more. So you're pulling back all that weight, and it really works out your arms. Uh, you're also trying to regulate your breathing. So, like, in order to shoot accurately, you have to kind of hold your breath and shoot. So you're working, like, the muscles in your core. Uh, there's a lot of, like, twisting and stuff that goes in it. Plus, like John said, i got to go retrieve the arrows if I miss. So that's been kind of going on. If you do it for a long period of time, you'd be surprised at what you can actually burn. So do, do you have a setting on your watch for when you have sex? Uh, there, That does not exist, but uh, there is one for flexibility, and I think that's the one I'll use. <laughs> <laughs> So have you ever shot the arrow straight up in the air, seeing if it leads you to the room? <laughs> no, because I'm not a fucking ignorant. <laughs> or uh, on the Sopranos. The worst game ever invented, <laughs> whether it be fiction or not. <laughs> it was an egregious misrepresentation of Lord of the Rings. 
<laughs> By the way, I don't know if anybody heard what we were actually referring to. It was the scene in The Sopranos when Ralph Cifaretto's kid fired an arrow straight into the air and then chased after it only for it to impale his shoulder and paralyze him. <laughs> yeah. Nothing like that has happened. However, uh, like Caden, when he got upset, like with with not being able to do everything, he asked if he could take because I had my machete out. I've been chopping down uh, weeds and stuff around. The, yeah, you, you're, ready, you're, you're ready for this to turn into the zombie apocalypse, right? Pretty much. So uh, well, we were chopping down. Turns out in the medieval times, he's got machetes and cross, bow and arrows and shit. Oh, I didn't send you the pictures. Heather and I were throwing, do using my throwing knives on the target the other day. <laughs> and fucking vicious. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut you can Ryan and throw some knives, but uh, I'm gonna yeah, have to come over there. He uh he we were he, uh, let him use the the thing. I was like, yeah, you can you can trim you know whatever you want. Use it. Just be careful and don't walk where I'm shooting arrows. So I'm I go to to like shoot. I shoot a couple things and all of a sudden he's like trimming some stuff around the the shed and then all of a sudden he goes to this big bush that's like right in the path. I'm like, Caden, get out of the way. And he's like, what? I'm like, you're in the way of where I'm shooting arrows. I don't want to turn you into a pincushion. Well, and now, you, so you have a machete and you have throwing knives. So where's Danny Trejo? Uh, that's very, that's also true. I have a couple <laughs> of boards too. I've been doing some rearranging in my room. Well, he didn't, but Greg didn't tell you also. He's got an appointment next week to get a tattoo of a woman on his chest. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> he is going to be Danny Trejo. <laughs> Are you going to get the exact same woman on your chest or are you going to come up with somebody different? Oh, you know. you got to get the same one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh... We've watched some stuff that we want to talk to you guys about. Some of it's been long overdue, but honestly, what the fuck do we have to do during quarantine but watch right. that? Um, oh, and, and we were going to mention um, something cool that's kind of coming up because of this. Um, um, the, the Tom Hanks classic, That Thing You Do, they're, uh, apparently they're going to be playing it on The Wonders YouTube channel on April 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And it's going to be, like, live-streamed by the fictional members of the Wonders, or Oneaters, as the case may be. So this might be fun to watch. Now, if we're going to search this, do we type O-N-E-D-R-S or W-O-N? Well, let me click the link and see. The real it is you've got, when, while oh, you're, it's the W-O-N-D-E-R, regular, just, just Wonders. <laughs> while, you're, while you're reading up on this, find out for us if the opening act is uh, Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Well, it would have <laughs> to be, right? Uh, or the guy that sings Mr. Downtown. Yeah. <laughs> Was it Freddie Fredrickson? That's right. Yeah. Will, will Wolfman be there? Pardon me? Will, will Wolfman be there playing bass? I hope so. I don't think so. He's the forgotten member of the Wonders. Yeah, he was just on that one, <laughs> the one TV special. <laughs> All right. Well, uh... John and I have to catch you guys up. We actually uh, finished the most recent season of Doctor Who, and uh, that was one I kind of when I, I didn't start watching it when it was first coming on because I kind of got rid of BBC and I hadn't really gotten into it. And then I started to hear some some randomness about it, and I didn't want to try to get too into spoiler territory. And then after the finale happened, uh, I heard you have to watch this, and I wanted to watch it before it got spoiled. And then John actually finished it before I did, and. Uh, yeah, now that I've finished it, I'm, I kind of my mind's still a little blown because I finished it maybe a few hours ago. Yeah, and stuff. I mean, I don't want to get into too much spoilers on here, but I mean, it like it changed everything you really know about the Doctor and uh -huh. the Doctor and the, and the Doctor's like history, where the Doctor comes from, and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, 
it was it was crazy though. It was. Did we? Uh, did we? We didn't have Daleks this year, did we? No, we had uh, we had the Jadoon this year. We had uh, Cybermen. Um, we had a return of a character, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone because it kind of excited me too. But a return of a character that hasn't been on Doctor Who in a while. Yeah. And it's really good to see. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, this whole season's been about uh, like some, some they they've finally kind of touched on Gallifrey again, and uh, something happened on Gallifrey, and it's been about what happened there as well as the an arrival of a of a character that uh we have to figure out how this this character is there. Um, but like you said, it kind of fundamentally changes Doctor Who. Uh, yeah. And I don't I, I honestly I can't the way it's sitting with you right now. Some people are like very angry about it, and uh, other people are you know, kind of thinks that it's opening up a lot of whole new doors. I don't think it really changes what we've known so far. Like, it doesn't change the experiences we've had, but it opens up some possibilities that I'm kind of curious about. Yeah. Especially in terms of uh, where you leave off Gallifrey and everything else Mm -hmm. at the end of the series. Yeah. I thought it was was a very good, very good season, though. Very good season. What did you think of Jodie Whittaker this season? She's kind of like she was great the first season, but I kind of it was she was very good. She was it was a good um last season it was very she was just very kind of kind of quirky and just kind of funny the whole season. This she still had that quirky funniness, but there was also a lot more serious stuff involved in it, and she was very good at kind of playing off both of those and trying to be kind of quirky like like she normally is, but with something weighing on the back of her mind. I, I, yeah. I think this is the, like, she kind of found her footing. She had yeah. spent a season kind of doing that, and I think she kind of came into her own in this, this season. But it's also, I find a lot of echoes of other Doctors in her this season. Mm-hmm. Well, you can kind of see that this is definitely the same character acting in certain ways at this yeah. time. But... Yeah, and I, and I, loved all, all, I loved all three of the, um, the companions again. I thought they were, yeah. they were great. It's a really good mix. I, I, I would love to talk to Chris Chinball and see how he settled on these three as companions because they're a really good combination. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't watch it, but um, remember you guys talking about when she first got cast, people were kind of up in arms about her. Have people kind of warmed up to her now? I think so. Uh, I, I mean, the longtime fans of Doctor Who uh, are going to be with Doctor Who no matter what. Uh, it's I would compare it a lot to just uh, some of the some of the how I'll put it old old fashioned kind of people that are, are you know newly born that kind of look at gender roles in a certain way the doctor, it's basically the same it's basically the same argument you keep hearing about people when they're talking about recasting james bond and anybody mention anybody that's not a white male playing james bond yeah it's those same arguments that you hear from I mean, those people you hear about it's the doctor, same doctor it's now. the same people that are mad that uh ray is the main character in star wars right right, right. that the you know, the new trilogy was ray and finn and poe yeah they weren't you know, white dudes. But it yep. happens. It does. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I'll tell you, uh, like, the, so the, a lot of those fans that have kind of, it's the same thing with any new doctor. Like, you kind of, like, want to see what they do. So I think the, uh, a lot of the fans are kind of stuck with. Now, the stories, though, I'm kind of curious to see the, the fan reaction to uh, a lot of people that didn't like Stephen Moffat but love mm-hmm. Russell T Davies. This feels a lot like Russell T Davies Davies area with Moffat thrown into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm quite pleased with him as a showrunner. Chris, Chris Chinball is a phenomenal showrunner and his scripts have been very good. And I, mean, I didn't doubt that from Broadchurch, but like some of these ideas have been big, big ideas that have played out kind of like movies. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought it was excellent. I'm, I kind of upset that I waited so long to watch it. I don't, I don't know why it was. I just, I didn't watch it when it yeah. first started, and I just, I was like, yeah, I'll get to it, you know, eventually. But it was same thing here, and I'm kind of like, the catch twenty two is I like that I was able to watch the entire because if I had to watch this every week, it would have freaked me the fuck out. But at the same time, I'm kind of upset because now it's over. Yeah. And I'm curious as to what's going to happen next. This is the kind of probably the first season too that's ended at this massive of a cliffhanger. Yeah, and we are going to get. They did say that we are going to get a Christmas. Uh, episode this year i believe yeah they've been doing new year's episodes this past yeah. couple or maybe, or maybe it was just a holiday episode they said might have said yeah. so maybe it i mean it. has it has it been filmed yet or is this going to get pushed back because of covid oh i don't know it very well could their their filming usually starts in the fall so uh okay. if i had to guess it should it should be on target no reason to think i mean yeah. I had, tonight i learned uh the government of france is actually uh they're not they're putting everyone in quarantine until the day we were supposed to land uh, so we basically we have to reschedule. We're rescheduling for September. Okay, it's a good month. So uh, did y'all? We we didn't talk about this earlier, but um, did y'all hear about the whole stuff with The Walking Dead? Well, the, didn't they hold their final episode? Yeah. In, no. The, yeah, yeah. They they apparently they haven't finished post production on it because of COVID yeah. nineteen. Right. So right. So it's suspend. They don't know when it'll be out, and I guess but there's there's one more left, right? Yeah, so the, yeah. the the second to last episode was last weekend, and it should have been it should have come on last night. We're recording this Monday. It should have come on this past Sunday night, but nothing. And they just keep on saying later this year it'll come out, which who knows what and that means. Yep, I really enjoyed this season. Me too. Yeah. Or did you did you watch the? Are you caught yeah, up? I'm caught up. Yeah, I'm I mean it was up. pretty thought, pretty big I, yeah. cliffhanger. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of crap going on, and then they're really starting to create like a world now i mean like i mean they had fear of the walking dead but now they're really starting to link all kinds of different things together with the new show rick grimes's stuff fear of the walking dead and the walking dead so it's getting really interesting yeah nice yeah well moving on to uh to movies there was a movie that i watched i don't remember if we even reviewed this when i watched it because i don't think anyone else had but uh john got to see with his wife ready or not I really enjoyed it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when you asked me if you should watch it, I was kind of worried because it's weird. It is. But it's fun. Yeah. And is this the hide and seek movie? Yes. yes. Yeah, with Andy McDowell? Yeah. So, okay. so this movie, uh, the trailer was, was is kind of true to what the film actually is. It's a, it's kind of a horror comedy almost, I would say. It's a dark yeah. horror comedy. Um, but the concept is this girl gets married to this, uh, to this guy. And his family uh, has this thing where they have to play a game, um, and you quickly find out why they have to play this game. But the game that she like chooses from this random thing is hide and seek. Um, and who like she has to hide from them until morning, and the entire night they have to try to kill her. That's like her initiation into the family. Yeah, but it's, yeah, like, it's like a dark comedy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's it was funny, and it was a. Uh, Samara Weaving is the plays the, the main the main girl who's that's Hugo Weaving's niece I believe. Is it really? I think so. She oh, is. Wow. She's Australian. And Ryan, you remember, she was the one that was in the she was the star of the the babysitter movie on Netflix. Remember oh, that one? Where she's was, cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the she's the main character. Really good in this and, too. And Adam Brody's in it. He was the only yeah. other person. Is, I really knew. is she? Oh, the and, the, and the father, the, like the patriarch of the family, or whatever, is Kittredge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> From Mission Impossible. Oh, is, is she? Is, is she Andy the McDowell, one that's right? playing? Yeah. Is she playing one of Bill and Ted's daughters? Uh, let me see. Oh, possibly. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, it's a uh, the the cast is really good. There's actually like I think only John's gonna know this, but uh, Donnie from uh, Orphan Black. Yes, one of my favorites in this movie. It, it's it's got an incredible cast, and it's a uh, it's really interesting. The the payoff at the end is kind of fun. Yeah. And that, uh, where, where can we watch that? Um, we actually just rented it. It's, um, I mean, you can, it's, it, it wasn't available free to stream anywhere. We just, we paid, uh, just on, on demand. We just rented okay. it. Yeah. So I know uh, it was like five bucks. Yeah. It was like five bucks. Uh, or you're on demand for cable. We'll do it. Yeah. I saw they released trolls. I think that's yeah. the first major, uh, film that got diverted to straight to digital release. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, like, Universal released some kind of statement saying it was the, like, one of the biggest digital successes of all time, but then they wouldn't release any specific numbers to back up what the hell they were talking about. I, I gotta tell you, it's gonna be interesting to see how this changes the game, because right now what they're trying to figure out is how do you get the numbers uh, by selling it for, for, you know, whatever price you sell it for, because you can buy a ticket for 15 bucks to go see a movie, but if you're paying 19 and, like, 12 people can see it. Yeah. You know that well, that thing. So do you do you rent it? And at that point, you're kind of cut. So it's it's an interesting kind of bit of territory. But right. Well, because I need to see how many people start moving to stream because of this. Well, yeah. Because well, I read um, a guy I follow, John Campia. He wrote that. Um, so the fir- to kind of compare, the first Trolls movie made forty six million dollars on its opening weekend, and the estimate that what they made for the second one was 26 to 27 million dollars which is a 45 percent drop it's hard to tell if you know that's just sequel is because it's a sequel or because this is kind of new territory but it's an interesting statistic you know and it probably you'd have to compare it to what a movie normally does when it goes for sale on video right probably the best barometer i mean granted this is something that's never been on video before but you know the people that are watching it now like i i don't I don't foresee a lot of people that were going to the movies all the time, all of a sudden going, well, let me figure out how to, to watch this. It's just kind of like whatever, you know, they, they're the people that watch stuff at home tend to be people that it comes to a streaming service or something. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm really curious. Cause again, it's going to change the way we do things. I think a lot more people are going to realize that you can work from home now. I think a lot right. more people realize that there's certain things that, you know, uh, you just, the impact on the environment, the impact on kind of how we're, you know, viewing and seeing things now it's I, for some people, it's going to make them a lot more, uh, connected to people and for some people it's not going to change the asshole that they are yeah that's uh, correct and y'all heard all the about amc oh about them possibly filing for bankruptcy to save yeah the heard. yeah they're in deep shit well from what i was listening to a couple podcasts that were talking about it and they were saying that um i don't know they, they were saying that the studio the, the, the movie studios they can't afford to let a company as big as AMC go under because I mean, they need someone to show their films. So they're kind of thinking is if worse comes to worse, the studios might bail them out. I think there's a strong possibility of that being the case. Um, But it's also, I I wonder, I would not put it past the studios to all of a sudden want some sort of stake in AMC. That's true too. I mean, mean, the, the other kind of thing they talked about is a big company like Amazon or something coming and pretty much buying AMC. And like they did with Whole Foods, and I can see that happen, and I can see there's a see, couple that's, companies I can see. But that's apart. the thing that gets interesting. Like like we're talking about with with trolls. Like if movie theaters start to recognize that their revenue is not that much affected by it 
You know what I mean? Like with the bottom line of, of sending it to AMC theaters, mm-hmm. maybe they won't need them anymore. Yeah. I think you'll always need theaters for the big tent poles like Avengers Endgame or Star Wars movies or stuff like that. I think it's going to be the more like middle stream movies that they're going to have issues with going straight to streaming. I agree with that, but I think from a, the people perspective, uh, when this is all over with, people are going to go to the movies. People are going to go. You want something to do. And I think oh. people are, are suddenly things that people we took for granted, just activity wise. There's going to be a lot of people doing random shit they didn't do before because it's something to do. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I think there's a reason Disney didn't put Black Widow on Disney oh, Plus. Because, I mean, there's something about the shared narrative of sitting in a room full of random strangers watching something for the first time. and Yeah. I mean, just those reaction videos of, you know, the portal scene in Avengers Endgame and stuff like that. I mean, I'm just – I miss going. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So, John, uh, if you had to give uh, Ready or Not a rating, what would you give it? For that type of movie, I'd probably give it a seven and a half, maybe even an eight. I would say an eight. I, I had a great time with it. Yeah. It's not overly long and it's just fun. And I mean, it kind of knows what its strengths and weaknesses are. And it's just, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's really funny. I, it reminded me, and it, it, this is the comparison I'll make to it. It I had as much fun with that as I did watching Knives Out. Yeah. It, yeah. And, uh, and, of, and the thing that I enjoyed the most, which I'm not going to say, I'm not really going to explain it much, but you'll know what I'm talking about. The three maids was, was, oh my like, God, was, was, was so funny. Okay, but yeah, that's you got to you got to see it to know what we're talking about. Uh, now, a few of us got to watch another movie that's kind of been out of theaters for a while, but it's one that I wanted to watch the second it was in theaters. Uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, Yesterday, only with a different musical act, which is Blinded by the Light. And this is also a true story. Yes. Yep. So, uh, Glenn, since you were the first one of us to watch it, why don't you take us through the plot? Sure. Um. So the Blinded by the Light, it's a film that takes place in England in 1987. And a kind of young Pakistan teenager is just graduating from high school. And his family is very strict in their religion and their, you know, their their culture. And um, he's just sort of expected to, you know, follow in the family footsteps, you know, do certain things a certain way, you know, marry certain people. And he goes to to college, and he ends up meeting a fellow, um, you know, Pakistani person there. And um, he really wants to be a writer, but he knows his family wouldn't let him do it. And his friend says, well, he, he kind of loans him two Bruce Springsteen cassette tapes. And, and he just kind of puts them on one night, and he just discovers, like, he feels like the songs were written specifically for him. And just becomes completely obsessed with Bruce Springsteen and the lyrics and the movie and just the music. And he just starts to kind of take inspiration from these songs that he he feels a deep connection to. And um, it's just a great, like, feel-good movie, especially for, like, the stuff that's going on right now. I'd highly recommend it. It's just the music's great. It's a, it's a good story. Um I just I really enjoyed this. Uh, well, one thing that I'll say is is I, I know a lot of uh, of the the persecution of Pakistanis from from John telling me about that. Oh movie. yeah. Uh, and I didn't like I don't know what I expected of this movie. I did I just thought it was gonna be like a fun little thing. I didn't expect it to be as heavy as it was. Oh yeah, they had some heavy scenes in it. Yeah. yeah. 
but it, it was done in such a way like I we Heather and I watched it last night and it it maintained our attention. I was all raring to go with the Springsteen music, uh, yeah. down a bunch of it. Now you know that. So I didn't. did I. And uh, but yeah, like it it was just such a an uplifting movie. While it it, it treated the subject matter in such a way where you got the point. Uh, and it, there's a, there's a scene with one of his neighbors that kind of. I know exactly what you're talking about. Touch that, and it and it really it deals with fathers and sons, which is a, a subject that's always near and dear to my heart. Uh, it deals with the inspiration of writing and music. Um, it, it's a really multifaceted film. It's a it's a sweet sweet movie, and it, right. it just it hit all the right buttons for me. Yeah. Yeah, like the scene when his when his father is telling him, you know, they don't sing music for people like us, and he's like, but it speaks to me, kind of thing. Yeah. It just it, it's it like you're right. It's just. Uh, it it really it's a it's a really good movie. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, not not a whole lot of actors that people would recognize in it. Um, Haley Atwell might be the biggest star in it. Yeah. Haley Atwell's in it in um the kid that played Tom and Baratheon from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Who was in 1917? Yeah. He was the best friend. John was the the girl he was dating. Was that the girl from Gentleman Broncos? It might have been. She did look familiar, but I don't couldn't place where I knew her from. Yeah. And the um the guy that was his his best friend his you know is the one from uh, Game of Thrones. His dad is in that show Gavin and Stacey. It was a very popular British show and he's really funny in that. Rob Brydon is his name. And there was a very um kind of joyous scene involving the the dad. I, I really like that when when they were working in the market and they oh, were yeah. talking about yeah. Bruce thing. Yeah. Yeah. It really did a good job. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but the even the lyrics of Springsteen, like I knew, like I've listened to Springsteen, but I probably not as deep as I should, like a lot of the B sides and stuff. I love Thunder Road's been one of my favorite songs for a long time. Yeah, uh, but like the lyrics, uh, they did a good job of of weaving that into the pieces of his life. Yeah, you get why it spoke to him. Yeah. Right. I just thought it was cool the way that it was sort of like, you know, he he sang for working class people back, you know, back then, and he's like 1987, kind of you know, history repeats itself kind of things in yeah, different mm-hmm. parts of the world. Yeah. And that's a, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I felt it was very familiar and relatable because of, you know, even pre-COVID or current, you know, the, the climate we have here. Um, Absolutely. Springsteen's music. You guys got a, you guys got a favorite Spring, Springsteen song? Uh, I mean, for me, it's probably going to be Thunder Road. Um. I like Born to Run has always been my favorite. Born to Run's good. Um, uh, what's the one with that Courtney Cox was in the video? Dancing, <laughs> Dancing in the Dark. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. That's a good song. Secret Garden, Jerry Maguire is really good. That, yeah, that I love Glory Days. Glory Days is my favorite. Yeah, Glory Days. And Streets of Philadelphia is really good, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that. yeah, but that, that makes me want to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, Born we don't, to Run is good. Glory days, yeah, I like that. I mean, no. And what's what's funny is the movie's called Blinded by the Light, and I was I didn't even realize that Bruce Springsteen wrote that song, Blinded by the Light. That song's made famous by Manfred Mann. This is a different band. Yeah. And right. so the version that everybody's used to hearing is not Bruce Springsteen, but they played the Bruce Springsteen version of it in the movie, and I'm like, oh my god, I didn't, I had no idea that. Well, you know, know he wrote that. The the reason that it's chosen too, that like there's a, a moment where he kind of talks about misunderstanding the meaning of that song. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like because because lyrics can speak to it, it, like uh, the best example I can give is 3 a.m. by uh, by Matchbox 20. Yeah. Everyone thinks that that song's about some, you know, relationship that got squandered, but it's about his mom having cancer 
and him almost losing his mom to cancer when he's a kid. Yeah. And when you hear that and you hear the song played acoustically, it completely changes it. Yep. Alright. But it's on um it's on HBO, so yeah. if you have HBO, you know, go check it out. It's it'll yeah. kind of distract it you from what's yeah. going on in the world right now. Yeah. I, I bought it when it went on sale on iTunes for like nine dollars. And I do not regret the purchase at all. It's uh, I would have bought it had I seen it on HBO and followed up yeah. with it. Yeah. Good stuff. Right. What are we going to give that? Uh, That one I'd probably give it eight and a half. Yeah, I'd give it an eight. I'd give it an eight and a half, too. Yeah. I well, see it. You should, you should check it out. You'd like fire, it, I think. Fire up the home box office and, and watch it, man. I will do. <laughs> Well, now comes the time to nominate this week's Awesome Villager. Gentlemen, who are your nominees and why? I'm going to nominate Tyler Perry for uh, just kind of the stuff he's doing for his community. Um, he's from New Orleans, and he lives in Atlanta now, and he he got in touch with every single Winn-Dixie in the New Orleans-slash-Louisiana area and every Kroger in the um, in the Atlanta area, and he picked a certain time. And I know in, in New Orleans it was the time where the Winn-Dixies were opening for that hour for the for the elderly or the the immunocompromised people to go in and just get their groceries. And he just paid for everyone's groceries in the, in all these stores and was you know several thousands of dollars. And uh, I just thought you know I just I love hearing stuff like that and people giving back like that. It's melts my heart. Yeah, the the night before he did that too, I heard he he ordered food from out and he tipped them twenty one thousand dollars. He did, yeah, I saw that because he, he asked them how many employees they had, and it was forty-two employees. So he did that so that each get five hundred bucks. That's awesome. Yeah, and that, yeah, because I saw some, some the Win Dixie thing. Apparently, they just envelopes to the people as they walked in and said this to the cashier. And when they got to the cashier, they handed an envelope and it said Tyler Grocery. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that is cool. So all right, I'll go now. I'm gonna nominate um, Josh Gad um, Olaf. Um, of course, he, he was great in uh, Avenue 5. You know, he was hilarious in that. He's great as Olaf, which we've been, you know, Frozen 2 has been on a constant loop over here yes. recently. But um, he's been doing something during this whole COVID thing where uh, one of the animators from Disney and him have gotten together kind of, I guess, on Skype or Zoom or whatever. And they're animating these little Olaf shorts that Josh Gad's like voicing from his house and the guy's animating it from his house. And it gives, you know, something, you know, all these little short things that are new for, for kids to watch. And then I saw that he's been doing this thing where um, people that have been, certain people that he finds out have been diagnosed, he's been leaving them voicemails as Olaf, if they, especially if they have children. So I thought that was, you know, he, that's really, I thought that's commendable. And, you know, I just love Josh Gad. He's, he's great. Yep. Uh, I'm going to nominate uh, Jody Whitaker, the uh, 13th Doctor. Uh, this this season really, you know, not that I, I've never really felt out of touch with the Doctor, but I had so much fun uh, this past couple weeks catching up with her. And uh, I've always loved her as an actor. She's been in a lot of different things. She was in a couple of little small roles, but really in Broadchurch is kind of where I got to know her. And yeah. uh, see her in this role, just kind of sink her teeth into it. Uh, really makes the legacy of the Doctor uh, proud, in my opinion. Uh, so for mine, um, a few nights ago, I had insomnia. Couldn't sleep. I was like 
two thirty, three o'clock in the morning because since I haven't been working, my sleep patterns have been all over the goddamn place. And I ended up watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again, which I hadn't seen since it was released in theaters. And then, like, two days ago, I watched, from beginning to end, Moneyball, which I hadn't seen since it originally came out. So even though I don't know that he's done anything specifically, you know, to do with the whole situation we're, th- we're dealing with now, I'm nominating Brad Pitt for his brilliance. He's because the shit. He his acting in those two films, it's like he's – was so good it was like we talk about you know oh you know watch this to get your mind off what's going on well here i am i'm just flipping channels watching stuff i've already seen and forgotten about how great these performances are and i could i was so engrossed in both films mainly because of his performance that uh i just wanted to give the man some props well um sandra's been watching a lot of hgtv and there's been these commercials for this new show the property brothers are doing and brad pitt's on one of them and and i want to say he bought and built a house for one of his like childhood teachers or somebody i think i saw that there's a bunch of, it's like each episode is gonna be like a different celebrity i think jeremy renner yeah, is gonna so be on it at one point. right yeah okay yeah, i saw that awesome that's cool so if you have to vote for someone other than your own who would it be i would vote for tyler perry i would vote for josh gadd and i'm gonna have to second the tyler perry nomination i i that's just a phenomenal act to do and Surprisingly enough, I'm going to vote for Tyler Perry. <laughs> Glenn's mortal enemy. <laughs> I have no problem with the man. <laughs> yeah, but Glenn's got a problem with Dia, not Tyler Perry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just, it, it does not speak to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Tyler Perry, welcome to the, the annals of the Awesome Village Awesome Villager, uh, I don't even know what words to use. Uh, welcome as, as the newest Awesome Villager. And you should come hang out with us. We, we will pay for your groceries. <laughs> <laughs> just, All right, just, just please don't say hallelujah. <laughs> I want to hear Glenn <laughs> say it to him. <laughs> All right, it's been another fun week, guys. Thanks for breaking the monotony of quarantine with me. Uh, Anytime. Yeah. Please remember uh, to give us some feedback on this episode. We uh, we know Bruce liked it, so thank you, Bruce. Um, shout out to Bruce. But also, uh, yeah, like please follow us Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. We're trying to get some more stuff together. I've been experimenting today with a uh, with a video editing app. I might take some of these calls and cut through a little video for us. But I'll let you guys know. Uh, this has been Greg and John and Glenn and Ryan. We'll see you next week. <laughs>